Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Manny's and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. American Glutton Podcast has a Patreon. Do you hate commercials? Well, we've got a Patreon. Do you want bonus episodes? That's on the Patreon. Do you want to hang out and chat in our Discord channel? That's part of the Patreon, too. We even have an option where you can leave me voicemails. All on the Patreon. So check it out today. Patreon.com slash American Glutton. We have a Patreon. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Blood. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying this show... Please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. American Glutton is brought to you by Trifecta. I used to sit and count my calories every single day, and then I would have to cook, and it was a long and arduous, time-consuming process. I don't do that anymore because I have Trifecta, who does all that work for me. They count all my calories. They separate the fats, the proteins, the carbohydrates. They tell me exactly how much it is, and they cook it for me too. And then they ship it to my house, and I rip open a package, and I eat the food, and it is delicious. I save so much time and energy by using Trifecta, I couldn't begin to express how happy I am to have them as a sponsor for this show. Today, I welcome Chris Duffin. He is an inventor, thought leader, and serial entrepreneur in health and fitness. He is the only person to squat and deadlift over a thousand pounds for reps, and he was the number one ranked lifter in the world for eight years straight. You can read about his insane upbringing in his book, The Eagle and the Dragon, or check him out at Kabuki Strength or Kabuki Education Coaching. You can find Chris on Instagram at Mad Scientist Duffin. 
Chris Duffin, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. Thanks. Looking forward to some uh, good conversation today. Yeah, dude. Um, I have like a, a burning question that's been that I've been wanting to talk to you about since the first time I heard you speak. Um, and it had to do with structure. And so like I've lost a lot of weight. I'm in a lot better shape than I was, certainly. But but I've heard you talk about um uh, you know, specific form for individuals and and what a massive difference that can make. And I sometimes think about myself, like I have severely flat feet. I have, um, I like, you know, running is a real problem. It, it, and, and then I, and then I get lost in this track of like, I don't want to be narrow minded and think like, uh, it's not, I don't want, I want to put the onus on my feet for why I, I wasn't more active as a kid, but is is stuff like that that you see prevalent with overweight people or people that are out of shape functional structural issues well there's a little bit to unpack there so sure. uh, cuz a lot of times we still like and i'm going to dive deep uh, on the feet a little bit uh because we have a tendency to categorize things as problems that need to be fixed sometimes sure and so this is I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to touch on this topic as it relates to the the foot, but also then dive back to, I think where you're going with the question. Cause my answer here isn't quite in that realm. Okay. Uh, but a, a lot of people have this distinction of going like, Hey, my foot is flat. Like that is something that needs fixed. Right. And that may not be the case. It is really our ability to control and manage that foot and ankle complex and having that ankle stacked over the joint. And so we get into these, these paradigms of looking at a very specific thing and going, how do I fix that? When it's, we need to take a step back and look at, you know, that system and all the things that affect that, you know, we all come in different sizes and shapes. And so there's different levels of an arch of a foot and a flat foot can be, and oftentimes is completely normal. Now there's the caveat, right? It's normal. If we take a look at what I said earlier, which is you must be able to control and manage. And you learn that and create the capacity to do that through movement. So if we're not moving, if we're not exercising, if we're not creating the challenge, then we don't have the adaptations, both the physical adaptations to create the strength to hold and manage that, as well as the neurological adaptations for the ability to control and use that resource. And so that's where things can go dramatically wrong. And so like, you know, we think about this in the nutrition environment and, you know, the arguments made around like, Hey, you know, we're, we're trying to fix everything with these medications or supplements or whatever. And if we eat well and exercise, we may not need those things. Right. And so the same thing is, it, you know, is an adaptation with the body and particularly you asked me a loaded question with the feet because the feet, somehow we have this different perspective around it than the rest of the body. Like, you know, like, Hey, if I, if my elbow hurts and maybe, maybe if I wrap it up, it will, you know, not ache. Right. But if I leave it, if I wake up every morning and wrap it up and do that year over year, what's going to happen one it's probably not going to get long, like that temporary relief is going to happen but long term 
it's not going to go away. I'm probably going to actually have more problems and maybe other problems elsewhere on my body, in my shoulders, other arm, because I'm going to be compensating. Right. And so, um, the so foot, we wrap our feet every day. No, exactly. So our foot yeah. is just like everything else you need to, I'm not no argument against shoes. Like we need shoes to protect us against the environment, like cuts and abrasions and heat. And like, you're not going to walk in a bathroom with no shoes, public restroom or walk on hot pavement or like, there's a reason for it, but you still need to actually use and exercise the foot. Right. If you don't, then we lose the control. And if we create a passive reliance, like on the elbow wrap, then you start relying on it. So just like packing an arch in a foot is going to help support it and get it in the right position, maybe provide some relief for that period when you need it. But now you've taught the foot not how to, you're telling it to lean on that for support instead of actually control and manage, like to have the strength and ability. And that is going to end up leading to this. And this is going to happen very very fast, particularly in childhood and development. So lack of movement and exercise and stuff like that can definitely lead to that. And then it, then it's a circular, what came first, right? The chicken or the egg, because it's a, it's a spiral. Now it's like, oh, I'm not moving because my feet hurt. Yeah. Right. And, and and then it feeds on itself. And then you get to a certain age and you're like, wow, I, now I'm trying to do this. This is a problem. Um, And so we just need to treat it like everything else. So like, I just, I want to say something very explicitly here because people may hear this message and go, oh, I'm doing that. I need to like just take shoes and not use them and just go all out. Don't do that. It's just like everything else. You have to build the results. You don't walk out and run 20 miles. Right. right? You start by walking, actually, and you walk for a little while and then you add some more and then maybe you move to some jogs and some intermittent jogs and then you start adding distance like our body's like that with everything. So like, if you haven't used your foot and exercised it, like, you know, because the minimalist shoe trend is pretty common. People go, Oh, the minimalist shoe is the fix. It's not, it's a tool to provide you an environment to get stronger, but don't overuse that environment. Don't go put those shoes on and go for a run. If you've been running, don't just put the shoes on and go about where it's seven days a week. Like you have to build it. Right. And so yeah, that's, I mean, the, that's the message. <laughs> yeah, the, the elbow is a great analogy because I, I think, you know, like with my feet, it's kind of like a problem that's been with me forever. And so I just go like, if I've got to walk a lot today, I'm going to wear shoes that go above my ankles and tie them really tight. And and with my elbow, when I have, you know, I have some like uh, tendonitis in my uh, upper biceps tendon. And that I, I like work to fix. Like I go like, oh, this is no good. I got to handle this right away. I'm going to do a lot of weird exercises that I've never done before that I, I probably won't, you know, do as frequently once it's gone to make sure this is not a problem in the future. But my feet, I'm just like, they're a problem. And, and that's the thing. There is a lot of weird exercises and things that you can do to actually start mobilizing it, bring some awareness, bring some neurological control, start strengthening. And you know what? If you've got to go like, hey, I'm going to New York City. I'm going to be on my feet all day walking like I know I'm not going to be able to have like go ahead and get yourself to support during that time period. But make sure you're using make sure you're getting your workouts in right, right? and doing your work. And then but don't do not push yourself into pain if you are in pain. That's not the answer. When is that ever going to be the result? I mean, like that's going to result in something positive when you're putting your body if, with your bicep, right? Yeah. You know, if you push it that far, what's going to happen? Well, then you're not going to be able to train later 
and have, cause it's, that's where the consistency comes in, right? How do I get just enough stimulus to have some adaptation and then recover from, and then come back? Cause it, yeah. it layers over time. And that's how you, that's the important thing is having just enough. And honestly, in the strength training realm and the running realm, I think it's still pretty common is like this, this mindset of just like push and batter your way through. Um, you know, you've got to, it's, it, it, it's a badge of honor to have the injury and push through it and uh, shows your toughness and how, how farther you're going to go when, when in reality, that's probably not the best thing, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, but it's hard to hear that from the guy who set the world record for eight years in a row. So I go like, is he following his own advice and is that how you do it? But I, but then I go like, yeah, you probably are because I have also, been in situations where I did push it too far and I wind up with a ruptured biceps tendon. And then there's that arm's done. You can't do anything with that arm or a torn meniscus. And then that knee is that whole leg and, you know, anything with the leg becomes very, very difficult. So like, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. And I do think for, you know, the majority of people I talk to, we're talking specifically about weight loss. And and the biggest encouragement I, I have is like resistance training is really, really good. Mm -hmm. um, and and like the adaptations from that, that it does so much, especially when you're over, like the signaling that happens in the muscle, the mitochondria that like, you know, for diabetes, like over exercising is one one of the things that'll that can lower your blood sugar independent of insulin right you know right. you know i'm sure you talk about all this stuff on uh yeah yeah but but i think with a lot of people in the way diet culture is kind of set up today or in um pop popular culture it's it's like um there there is almost like a punishment drive that people are using where it's like if i'm not in the gym harming myself or i'm not yeah. in such a severe caloric restriction or even in like a food types restriction and it's not so and i'm not so limited that i'm feeling pain then i'm not really doing anything and and my my whole point is like you can change really really dramatically but slowly, if slowly. you if you don't do that, yeah. yeah. Well, I, let me dive into that for a minute, and but with some kind of analogies and stories, uh, we'll we'll talk around the squat, for example. Yeah. So, um, you know, if anybody does a look at me, they'll find that I am a very broken individual. I have a lot of injury history, uh, but that is what has made me so passionate about these topics. So, for one, you know, I've had my I've hurt my backs so bad that I, I was in a walker. This is when I got to the point where I could be in a walker. I was immobile for weeks, like unable to move. And then I had to learn to walk again. I had drop foot for like six months. Like, but the thing is I wanted to come back from that. And, you know, this is understand the, the scope of my training experience and my education kind of in the clinical and movement world spans over 30 years. So this is a, this is a big long window here. Um, so, in later years, I, I did come back and I wanted to demonstrate with what I learned that using techniques that I could, you could learn to control and manage the spinal mechanics in a way that one isn't going to allow you to do phenomenal things without pain. And I wanted to do that in the, the most dramatic way possible. So I picked two of the most core basic movements that you could have uh, that 
that demand that one being the squat it's being it's a basic human pattern it's built into our neurology we progress to that in about nine months of development and then the deadlift very similar to squat but a uh, a hip hinge movement be able to pick something up off the floor doesn't it's not it's not a barbell it's picking something up off the floor very basic stuff right and so my my, my plan was to to squat a and deadlift, do a thousand pounds on each of them. And it took me, took me five years to do it. I'm the only person that's done both. There's, you know, you know, half dozen people that have done one or the other, but nobody's done both. And I actually did them for reps at the same, like in the no, same window. It, it was okay. four years apart, four okay, years okay. apart. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I, I would, I, yeah. my, my I, head might've yeah. exploded. If so, it, yeah. But the, the interesting thing in there is well, the length of time, which we can talk about, but the, um, when I was chasing it, it's a matter of chasing perfection of movement, but also how much effort I could put into things. And I call this like finding balance through the extremes. And we so much often want to just lay on one perspective. So if I tell somebody on the squat, like I want it to be absolutely perfect, 100% like perfect form, people will think, well, I need to do body weight or maybe an empty bar and I just practice until it's beautifully perfect. But if you don't like push the limits, you can't find where the breakdown is. So I want you to also put every last ounce of effort, 100% of everything that you got into it. And people go, oh, well, forms the wind. It's going to look like crap. It's the all, all, all in, which is kind of what we were talking about there. Uh, but it's, in reality, I want both. And if you chase like that dichotomy, you can often find something uh, really beautiful in the middle, which is for me, that's what I accomplished there. Right. Cause I, you can't, you can't put everything in it unless you've got like every last piece of opportunity for, for inefficiencies, movement, pat like the deficits for something to go wrong to happen. So, um, so, so it, it's, saying that you've got to you know this this all-in mentality push through the pain or again like the diet you know culture unless you're you're punishing and hurting and starving you're making progress it isn't the it isn't the the reality of things like you can like for me i was able to do something phenomenal that i couldn't even you know, bend over in the past. Like I couldn't walk yet. I could do that with zero pain in my back. But to do that, I had to, I had to really perfect the mechanisms and the discipline of how to do it. Right. Um, does that, does that correlate? To it does. And, and the other thing that is, I think uh, that, that you, that you, that you land on there, which I think is really, really important because, you know, I, I think for me, and, and again, a lot of this is just anecdotal to my experience. I go like, I have to be punishing myself. And then if I hear somebody go like, no, no, you can't punish yourself. You have to be like, you have to have a plan and be kind. Then I go like, oh, it has to be really easy. And so I don't make, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. each yeah. side yeah. of that is very it, dangerous. It's, it's still hard. It's the, you find it, 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 this is, I, I use that, 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 that kind of story to articulate like one of my life philosophy points, which is uh, to, uh, you know, people want to find balance through uh, and I call it mediocrity. Like, you know, like, right. and I'm saying you can find balance by going, chasing these things that people think are opposites. Right. Yeah. And going all out, like, 
being not mediocre, doing fucking amazing things, right? And if you do that, you can find something else there that's going to, you know, be odd trying to just like, how do I balance work and life? And how do I, you know, you balance my my work time and my family time. It's like, if you chase, you know, these mediocre attempts of trying to find that, or again, chase just one side of it, I think that's where you end up with being unbalanced yeah. because, well, I don't know, just for me, that's uh, boring. No, as a I, I mediocre. Totally- I I completely agree. Like that makes perfect sense to me. Uh, um, when you're doing that, when you're when you've got this goal of doing something that's really truly exceptional, how detailed is your planning? Is this just like you go like I kind of know how to work towards this goal, and I'm just gonna do that work? Or are you setting benchmarks for yourself? Yeah, it's uh, it, it's fairly. Yeah, it's uh, there's definitely benchmarks. So I'll talk about the process a little bit. And but before we dive into that, in an annual cycle, like when I'm like super hyper focused on these very competitive structured things, it's not like that all the time because you've got to have the other side of it from the mental aspect. And it's just an interesting discussion because sometimes people see these like weird, odd, random lifts and things that I do. And they're trying to get all sciencey on like, oh, you're doing it because it's doing I'm like. No, that's for the soul, man. I, I I like doing that, and I I spend time every, every like on a regular basis doing unplanned stuff with no like I just I just like it, you know. It makes me feel good. It's fun, right? Yeah. But when it comes to like the structure to pull off this, like I had to change my whole life. Like I I had to create a lot of the methodology to begin with. I had to create the tools that could get my body in the right position because a lot of the stuff that was on the market was, you know, it's forcing you out of position and not the right things and the recovery modalities, um, the tools. So anyway, I I ended up building a company (laughs) and building the people around me and then allowing me so that I, when I get into the really focused phases that I'm really kind of removing myself. I'm a hundred percent kind of focused on this every day is about either some aspect of recovery or training. And yeah, maybe I'm still involved with work and meetings and stuff, but it's, that's not where my mind is. Right. And it's a hundred percent in this. And so that process started for both of those around nine months out from the, the attempt. So where we're looking at, so we're looking at the velocity of every movement, like the, the phases of like, I need to develop capacity in this arena and then maintain it. So I can now move to this other phase. And then as I get more and more specific, some of that stuff tapers out and I've have, you know, a quality around being able to, you know, maintain my, my spine position, my, my tolerance for amount of workload, like there's specific qualities that you develop and then, you know, you're moving that through and then every workout you know, it's, it, it is, uh, I know exactly like to within like a five pound range, like the average load that I need to have the sets and reps and immediately post that movement in the final, like few months is, is when I start the recovery process. Literally I finish the squat. I take my knee wraps off and I lay on the ground and I have the guy that's doing my, you know, my, uh, assisting with like my soft tissue care, we start the process because guess what? Movement is the healer. But if you're if you're walking around with some imbalances, some tightness, the little things out of position, it's not going to heal in the right way. And so we already know what it is because we've earlier in the week 
we've lasered like my hip position, my rotation, like all to within, you know, a half a degree. And we're seeing what changes and going, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm automatically tightening with the pelvis pulling and shifting this direction. So we've got a plan immediately post to like start relieving that. And then we'll do a laser it again a couple of days later and go, what results did we get? Are we where we're at? Um, so, you know, I had one person managing my training program. So he's looking at all the data analytics of everything that's happening and adjusting that plan for where we need to be for every step of the way for this specific date to do this thing. Right. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, it's, and then another person managing the soft tissue. It, it's like, it, it's a, it's a, it's a team environment. Like I, it's, I, I don't know how to, it sounds overkill, but like, before I did this, if I said what I was actually going to do the five years prior, I would have been laughed at. Like, that's not possible. Well, I, I mean, like, in the back of my head, I'm wondering at five years out from either of these, because I look at you, you look like a very strong guy. You do not look at all like the people, the majority of the people who have done lifts like that. They're no. So most of the people these. are 380 to 440 pounds that yeah. have uh, done those lifts. And I was 262 pounds when I did the deadlift which there are some lighter deadlifts pulling that now there are people doing this uh it uh it closer to that weight and then when i did the squat i was 280 pounds okay again big when, big like 50 pounds heavier than what you see right here right um, but still I, nothing it, the average is a lot heavier than that yes when you when you go I, i'm gonna i'm gonna go for a thousand pound pull what are you deadlifting? Like, what's your what's your biggest pull at that point? Five years out. So the deadlift I was closer to. So the deadlift I did uh, one year from setting my goal. So wow. and I so I had I done. I think my best was nine hundred for a couple reps. So I was pretty close on, much closer on that. And then, you know, what's interesting is like. People often ask me like on the deadlift or squat, like, oh my God, how tired, you know, how sore, how beat up were you after you did it? And I'm like, this ties to your comment about my weight. I actually had to do so much more training than in the people that typically do this, that it was easy. The training process was incredibly hard. Right. So like for the deadlift, I was deadlifting twice a week. And one of those sessions was the bar sitting on the floor. And the other was me uh standing on a, a couple mats and it was a deficit so it was a little bit longer range of motion and i was doing 12 to 15 reps on each workout um the one off the floor you know they were average those 12 to 15 reps were in the 900 to 950 range and the wow. deficits another day of the week was 850 to 900 on the squat like I couldn't develop the capacity to get to twice a week with that at those loads like the recover that the the recovery capacity if i was just a little out of position um you know for my core to recover uh with the weight being up higher uh I, I couldn't pull that off but that one session a week i was doing nine repetitions uh and the average load at a couple months out started at 950 pounds for that for those wow. series of sets and finished by the end i was at 985 pounds for a total of nine reps. But I mean, that's got to be a record every week, itself. every week. No. So that's the thing I'm like most proud because nobody's ever actually trained with that level of frequency and intensity, intensity, the word for weight for that I did for those two training cycles. You will not find any documented training 
of anyone even coming close to that. That's what, to me, I hear a thousand pounds and I go like, that's an astronomical amount of weight. I hear n- nine reps at 950 and that's way more impressive to me. And, and so that is, and, and that's why it's so particular around like understanding the mechanics, being in the right positions and preserving the integrity of the joints and the positioning in the body, because it's not brute strength, just go beat your head against the wall. Like I have to, with if you're riding that line every week, week over week, the minest, minorest of deviations starts compiling like a freight train on you. Right. And so that's where it's like, and that's where I've spent so much time on understanding like how to manage that, you know, the, the, the pelvis to, uh, to rib cage alignment and how well I'm inflating, um, to create pressure around the spine and you know what that does to the co-contraction of all the muscles and the foot mechanics and that like it's just like it, it just goes on but that's yeah i guess that's my background right um it's insane for for people who um i i like those movements a lot i use them weekly uh both of them uh, deadlifts and squats and and uh i guess my question to you i i i like have figured out what I'm sure my form could improve. I'm sure everybody's form can improve. Like nothing's an absolute, right? But for people who are very new to the gym or haven't even set foot in the gym yet, what do you recommend for figuring out good uh, um, form? Yeah. So that's why I produce so much content and have a team that does that. So we've got a ton of free resources at Kabuki Strength. Um, and so just go to Kabuki strength, click on the education tab. You can also find us on social media on YouTube and Instagram. Uh, but we've got index libraries to walk you through this. And it's just, uh, you got to take a principle based approach to this. So for me, when I look at the human body, it comes down to what is going to have the largest global impact to me being able to, to manage that. And so that's why I chose the squat and deadlift is the biggest impact that that's going to happen is your ability to control and manage the, the spine, you know, that basically your torso um, you could start looking at shoulders and elbows, but if you, if you don't take care of this first, you don't know where that stuff's at. And the second is the foot. So the foot and ankle complex. And if you take care of those, a lot of the other things are going to take care of themselves. So understanding those relationships, I I, I know that's not quite the answer that uh, you, you no, but us, I mean, but you gave it, me, the, I, we can go to your website. That's the perfect yeah. answer. Yeah. And, and, and figure it out from there. But so but those are, those are really, I think key. And, and also because I know, I haven't personally injured myself doing either of those things, but I, yeah. I'm never really going for the, and, and, the high end of weight. And, and, I, and this isn't, this isn't to teach the squat and deadlift. Like this is everything. This is, you know, we, the same process is what we use with a 65 year old grandmother that's never touched a weight in her life. So this spans through the clinical aspect as well, but it's, you know, from a, the, you know, your breathing and bracing also feeds into that because your, your diaphragm is what's used to stabilize the torso but you've got to have position first, uh, relationship of pelvis to diaphragm, and then 
learn how to use the diaphragm. One of its primary functions is respiration. Secondary is stabilization. Uh, tertiary is the sphincter. Um, <laughs> and then uh, the second, like I said, is the foot and ankle complex. And then if we go from there, now it becomes the two large power generation. So that'd be the hip complex and the shoulder complex. And if you're if you have some sort of issue, like in your knees, your your elbows, some of the peripheral, it's almost always related back to to that um, to to these issues. So those are output joints. So just understanding this can help you uh, just at that base level prioritize you know what you're doing. So if you're doing a movement and you're like all over the place and not controlling yourself, or you're you know it's like. Hey, you know, let me be aware of my foot in the position that am I controlling? Am I keeping that ankle stacked on top of it? Once you learn rooting concepts and how to active, be active with the foot, it's going to have the really big impact. And you can translate that to everything. doesn't matter what it's running or it's the, the, the same principles go through the, the whole body. Yeah. And, and for. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash press on and use code press on 25 at checkout for 25% off impress manicure and press on falsies. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Weight loss and in, in creating like a, a, a glucose sink with muscle mass and all of that, you're, you're nailing so much muscle in those movements that's i don't know of anything that affects that much muscle in a single uh repetition yeah so yeah. they're very they're great exercises yeah. if you do them you know <laughs> safely well with good form yeah. but What's, you know it, it translates to everything uh like i said you know some you know it's pressing overhead pressing walking with a weight farmers carry like it doesn't matter like these are all like it's taking a pair you know picking up a a bag of groceries with one hand it's reaching over and picking up your 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 baby off the floor it's getting out of a car it's like we can start you know once you understand the patterns then you can start understanding all the other things that you're training and and how they relate and what 
you should be focused on in those movements. Yeah, I always feel and and it almost always happens, you know, after I've burned out my hamstrings or something like that, where my wife will ask me to move something in our house. And I'm just like, ooh. And she's like, you have all these big muscles and you can't even. And I'm like, well, I just tax the muscles you want me to use. <laughs> um, and for some reason, it's every single time. So I think she just doesn't believe the muscles are real at this <laughs> point, you know? <laughs> but it is nice to have um, the ability to bend over and pick stuff up. Like yeah. that's something I, I can't think of anybody has has never done that yeah and it's strength training should be wholly additive to your life right the ability to increase your capacity to handle more more load to be more resilient to the things that come at you is only going to be additive in life and the way that it's been done and looked at through a lot of the past has has not been that way it's you talk about oh i used to do that until i blew up my back, my knees, the, you've heard the story, right? And it shouldn't be that way. Like my, uh, my business partner, my training partner, I started training him at 57 years old. He's 73 years old now, by the way, he's had two shoulder replacements result prior to when we, uh, were working together. Uh, but he started lifting at 50, 57 started. And, um, he now is the strongest septuagenarian ever recorded. Wow. You see him and you'd be like, you're 73. Like he's the, he, he's the most vibrant and lively uh, or oldest vibrant and lively 21 year old you've ever met. Right. So for his 73rd birthday, he walked out. Uh, well, he wanted to make the numbers match. So he picked uh, five, two, three, 523 pounds. Uh, first two being seven uh, and three for his, uh, for his birthday to deadlift. Um yeah. And then in competition as a, you know, a tested athlete in the 220, he, uh, he deadlifts well over 500 pounds, squats close to 500 and benches over 300. Like wow. those are good numbers for a fit male in his twenties. Right. Like that's like, that's legit. like you've yeah, been training for strong. a long time. Like, yeah. yeah. And, uh, so, um, but a lot of people at that age, if they have, if they haven't developed that resilience, so for example, if we do a uh, a bone density scan on Rudy, we'll find out he's six standard deviations outside the norm for bone density. I happen to be five, um, not quite as good as him. I'll make sure to point that out. But most people at his age are, you know, you run the risk of falling down and breaking a hip. And if right. you break a hip, that means you're probably going to be dying not probably, but very high risk for that in the next five to 10 years after a broken hip at that age. Like, and this is a man who's like, that's not a concern. Like, you know, so it's, it's adding so much life to his, to, to him in a period of time. Um, it, it doesn't even correlate to, to, to most everyone his age. So that's what strength training should be. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, I, I, I get into, uh, you know, a, a maintenance period on my diet where it's like I'm not because because I also have to say, like, if I try to get super lean, I'm miserable. I, and and for me, there's a level of effort in just um, not overeating, but it's a it's a confrontable level of effort. Mm -hmm. it's, it's it's an effort that I can live with when I try to get like 10 percent or under body fat. I, I'm just so unhappy all the time that it's not worth it. So I can yeah. do that and take a picture or, 
you know, whatever. And, and then I can, and then I go like, okay, I'm not going to hang out here. Right. Um, similarly with, um, with weightlifting, I, I I go like, I, I'm almost too scared of doing stuff like three rep max type workouts, which is what, when I read about strength training, it's all very low end and then it gets really heavy. And I do worry about injuries with that. So the majority of my workouts is at like the eight to 12 area. Um, and then even because I have had torn biceps, I'll do, you know, in the, in the 15 to 20 rep range area of that. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So there's varying, uh, varying thoughts. Uh, so if we look at uh, the, the data, we'll find that about 80% of injuries are typically actually a result of, of training. Uh, so your training plan, uh, about 20% are in, in, uh, from an actual movement quality, like, uh, issue, right? So that's a little bit counter to what I've said, but I think that it, it still relates in there because, um, the more you improve your movement quality, the more capacity that you can have uh, to train. Right. So it allows you to to recover better. And so when I say training plan issues, it means that you're training outside of the scope that you can recover from. And so even if you're handling 15 to 20 reps, you could start creating some overuse situations where, hey, wow, this forearm's getting really tight and so on. Um, and then it ends up leading to you not training as much during another period of time because it hurts, right? Right. So we've got not like an acute injury, like, oh, hey, I've, you know, strained my hamstring or torn my hamstring versus more of a chronic issue. And over time, like I said, the, what's the biggest impact that's going to be is being able to layer, being able to have consistency over time. And so I'm covering these metrics for a reason, because um, it is really important understanding uh, training, because a lot of people go about this wrong and they go, well, I'm getting started and they're just gung ho in or they go on vacation and take a week off. So they come back and go, I'm going to hammer it to make up for lost time. And so the issue when I talk about training mistakes is that to build your ability to handle load over time, you've got to have some spikes. And so we'd call that an acute spike. So in a short period of time, so let's say over a six week period of time or a four week period of time, my average workload is 10, just picking a number. And so if I, if I spike it to 12 or 11, one week, that total load is going to come up a little bit. And then over time, I'll be able to bring this up. Right. Now, most of those injuries are happening when people are taking spikes um, higher than 15 or 20 percent. So okay. this is either weight. Usually it's like total volume of workload. Right. right? And so what happens is what, what happens if I went on vacation for two weeks and didn't train much? My average went down. Yeah. And so when I go back to train again and I I should actually not train as much as I did prior, I need to ease into it. And most people will go, I'm going to go hammer down, make up for lost time. Well, they're not going to injure themselves then, but they're going to set the stage. Something that is more of a chronic issue is will develop that they're not feeling yet. And then about five or six weeks down the road, they're going to go, my bicep is a little sore. I got a little tendonitis going on. Right. right. And, and so that's actually where the majority of issues come from. So it's not the load based so much is understanding how much you can 
you can bump every week. You know, you don't just go, Hey, you know, I, I, I squat once a week. I heard squatting three times a week. is a really great plan. Right? No, no. What you would like, Oh, I've, I've only been training two days a week. I'm going to go to four. Well, you can go to four. If you take your two days and split those over four sessions. Okay. And then maybe add a little work in one of those. Right. And then, so there's a lot of different ways that you could approach that, but you don't just make these massive shifts in your training. You're not going to just walk in and go, oh, I trained too much today. I tore my hamstring. But five or six weeks down the road, you're going to have this nagging thing that's then going to develop to more chronic. And then you're going to go, I can't train because my elbow is just, you know, is bothering me. And so I'm skipping this exercise. I'm skipping this workout. I'm going to see a physical therapist. He says, take it easy this week. And then over the that's going to have the more, more profound on, impact on you and reduce, you know, your capacity to handle more over time. Yeah. If I'm not totally recovered by the time I get to something specific like hamstrings, I am not doing them because I, because I worry about what you're talking about, because I basically, uh, I do train in, in, in four to five week blocks and I want to be able to do that for the rest of my life. Yes, that's, yeah. that's my goal. And so if I overdo it one day and I go like, well, today I was only straight leg deadlifting 225 and that was my work weight. And, but I want to take a picture for Instagram. So I'm going to do a set at 315 just so I get a picture of it. But that's really not an exercise I'm supposed to be lifting that heavy until week four or week five. And then the next week I'm like, oh, I still feel my hamstrings. I'm just not doing them. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, there's there's an important piece here and it also relates to kind of my view on on diet as well because there is so much like there's so much information out there on different diet strategies or here's the optimal workout or the different thing that you're supposed to like and people always want the magic solution this like what's the best workout chris what's the best plan how many days a week how much sessions and same thing with diet right is it the is it the carnivore diet is it intermittent fasting is it, blah, it, it, it is it paleo is it the uh i don't know anyway just don't say it's veganism <laughs> <laughs> correct <laughs> what it is is finding what fits your lifestyle yeah. that fits your level of discipline and what you can adhere to and that you find uh, that you get some joy in just like uh, this is a big narrative for me. I post uh, my, my wife uh, is a cooking, she's just on food network in the cooking channel and she does uh, amazing food dishes that we eat every day. And people are like, well, if you're dieting, it's supposed to be just like chicken and rice and you know, whatever. And I'm like that that's a diet is a period of time where you're losing weight and what you need to be going is what is a lifestyle that's a short that's a that's a period of time that you're going into going I'm only going to do this for a short period of time that's not what you should be doing you should be going after what can I do for the rest of my life and if you're if you're picking a diet that you don't take enjoyment some ha, be able to have some enjoyment from as well and understand that um you know you know I'm not saying eat ice cream every day like yeah read what I'm saying, you're going to not adhere at some yeah. point, you're going to break down and you're going to go off, you know? And so the th same thing goes for a workout, you know, like during my, some of my peak competitive years, you mentioned the eight years that I was uh, number one in the world when I was competing as a power lifter, a big chunk of that, I only trained three days a week. 
And I had two kids. I was running an aerospace company at the time and I had the gym and, you know, and it's like, this is what I, this is what I could fit in. And I could have performed at a higher level, but my family was important. My career was important. And so this is, this is what it was. And I could still hit three days a week. I could perform at the highest level in the world. Could I have done more? Yeah. But um, so that's like, like, don't get stuck. You know, I'm like, I can have, so with that, I've trained Monday night and Wednesday night that left my wife to be able to go to the gym on or do whatever she wanted on Tuesdays and Thursdays while I had the kid and we're both home on Friday. And then Saturday morning, I'd get up and go train before everybody was up and be back home. And so I was able to balance my life and do that for a decade that way. Right. And then once I was in a point where I could shift that, you know, I, I did increase my training, but my point is like, don't get stuck that there's some magic nugget that you you've got to the biggest thing is your consistency over time and being able to have something that loads you that creates some resistance in life so that you can become a little bit stronger a little bit more resilient yeah i it it is so complicated because i think like there's no there there isn't there aren't a plethora of of people out there going Give me the magic to a thousand pound deadlift, right? There's not, there, nobody's clamoring yeah, for yeah. that. If somebody goes and goes like, I want to, by the way, I don't think it's a goal for very many people at all, but I think a lot of people would like to be able to do a heavier squat. I see lots of people in the gym yeah. working towards this goal. None of them, not one that I've ever seen is going like, I know if I do, um, you know, if I just do leg curls, I'm going to achieve this heavier squat. You know what I mean? Like this weird computation of some magic trick, right? If you just do, if you, if you just do the leg press for six months, your squat's going to go up by X. Like nobody does that, but with diet, there's nonstop informational noise about the, the magic bullet the get rich quick scheme i know i every time i, I post a picture of me like being lean up he's like oh my god how are you liking the intermittent fasting or the carnivore i'm like why do you think i'm doing that because right. it's popular and somebody at the time you know like that's what people are posting about I'm like yeah and then, so i don't even mention like the diets anymore like or the whatever i'm like yeah i did intermittent fasting for like seven years well that was when i was in the corporate world and guess what it worked great to skip breakfast i couldn't i'd have meetings all day long so i couldn't put in you know stuff and i'd be like but i still wanted to have a business meeting so i'd have a light lunch be a salad and some chicken and then i'd train and go home and eat a bunch right right uh it worked for my lifestyle kept my calories where i needed like that's the magic like yeah it fit my life that was all so like so, but if you go, if you mention, oh, I, this is what I'm doing. People will want to go, oh, that's the answer. And they'll change. Yeah. Like, so like, no, <laughs> like, right. I ate less or to gain weight. I ate more. Right. right. I made sure I had whole foods, good quality. <laughs> like, yeah. But did you occasionally have something processed or, or oh yeah, did your wife, your wife, who's a, who sounds like a great chef. Did she never used a seed oil? You know what I mean? Like this state becomes I, madness. I, I, Oh my God. I was watching one of these videos the other day. I won't mention the, uh, won't mention the individual, but it was uh seed oil stuff. And he's doing a video, removing the seeds from the cucumbers. Cause and I'm right. Like, yes. The lectins. So now you're going to demonize cucumbers. Yeah. 
Got it. I'm like, can we just quit like putting morality around food? Like, yeah. you know what? I feel like I feel like having some ice cream and uh and a drink with my wife on a Friday and watching a movie. I didn't have to earn it. I didn't have to do an extra workout. I just felt like that's what I wanted to do. So I did it. You know, right. it's okay. Like, but the other side to that, but, though, Chris, is but the majority of the time I eat good and well. And and I said, like, I eat. like people go on my Instagram, find my wife's and you will just you'll be you will not believe what we eat every day. I just don't eat a lot of it. Now it's whole foods. It's cooked. But yeah, we have processed stuff like, you know, like. I, yeah, like it, it, I think it's so it's many people like line. If you if if you say like you got to do what you want to do, sometimes there's a version of me that hears, yeah, I should just be eating pizza all day because that's what I want to do. You know what I mean? Versus there's got there. There's just it's moderation. It's all requires moderation. You can you can make you can make good food. Taste amazing. So you can eat healthy food. And that's that's the point I was trying to get through. And that's what actually my wife demonstrates with her cooking is we have amazing flavor. You can have flavor and enjoy it. It doesn't have to be bland, you know, rice and some steamed broccoli and some, you know, chicken with no flavor. Right. Um, That was the that was the the point I was trying to make there is you can bring food. You can bring flavor and really enjoy that and uh but it also sounds to me like you're you're having stuff you want but for the most part you're eating according to what your body needs to output what you want it to output that's a that that's the magic right yeah yeah and i used to you know like track like all my macros all but i've been doing this so long like i just go by feel you know and if i want to if I want to move up in weight, I eat a little more. If I want to go down, I eat a little less. Like it's not super complicated. I try to pick good food choices. You know, I was during my squat, uh, you'll see I'm like big bloated face, like to get to 285, like I was eating everything. It's really hard for me to get to, to get up to that. So yeah, you know, it was like brownies. Yeah. Easy 300 calories that I can fit in when I'm totally full. And I don't think I can fit anything else. Right. Like I'm like, I've got a protein shake and I'm put a quarter cup of olive oil in it Wow! because I'm like, I'm just trying to get the calories in. And so calorie dense food is, is, you know, uh, you can't, you can't eat super well and actually do that. Like you get so bloated, like, you know, that, uh, I, yeah, there's a weird sensation I have sometimes when I'm trying to get lean where I've, you know, the, the majority by volume of my food becomes vegetables, you know, and then protein after that, but the fat and starchy carbs and stuff go very, very low. And I'll sit there and eat like a big bowl of cabbage tempo and chicken. Yeah. And I'll have this weird experience where I'm simultaneously hungry and full at the same time. So like, there's no room left (laughs) and I'm still hungry. It's like, okay, I got to go do something else because I can't think about this anymore. But I I don't think that's the best strategy for long-term dieting. It's not because that, that, that'll end up breaking. Now you can do that during periods, like I said, but understand what it is. Um, But so many people want to approach like, and not realize that you do need to have a long-term approach. Right. And, and, and yeah, but I I still, I want to dive still a little bit onto this, like morality of food issue, because it's like, I talked about the seeding of cucumbers, but the, we get like 
yeah, you know, rancid, rancid, you know, seed oil is not going to be good for you if you're eating something that's spoiled, right? You know, but like when we get on these tangents as fitness professionals of like going all in on these, you know, these certain things that, yeah, there's some, there's some backing maybe to what we're, what's being said, but like, you've got to eat all organic and it's got to be locally sourced and like, you got to step back and go, who are you speaking to? Because you have a significant level of privilege probably to be able in a position in life to one, be living, even live in an area where you could make those choices because right. a lot of the world can't, right? Um, to be financially secure, to have the time because this is your profession and other things to be that stringent. And when you put out information around like, you need to be doing this if you're not, you're you're not taking care of your health. You're 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 harming the health of your family. Well, that message starts filtering through the population. Now all of a sudden you've got, you know, a single mother that's working two jobs with kids and she's like, I can't like and we've got all this morality built up where they feel like they're a bad person and they're failing because they can't, you know, take these, you know, locally sourced organic ingredients, whole foods and make a meal every meal and have that prepped and they're a bad, evil person. Like, I mean, that's, that is some of the messaging that's going out there. And, and the reality is like, you don't have to do that to, to, to have that level of, you know, to, to health. It doesn't have to be locally sourced. It doesn't have to be organic, you know, some level of processed foods, as long as it's not like, you know, <laughs> dominoes every night, you know, there's, there there's there's options out there that still fit the needs and you're not going to have you know creating health issues or obesity within your family and you know chasing them and demonizing that you're a bad person if you're letting any level of picking something off a shelf that's got you know uh, a seed oil you know as a background you didn't know it I, I, we need to back down and understand that if you're if you're taking that stance you have a lot of privilege in your life to be able to say that, that, you know, to make those choices. So I'm not saying not to make those choices. Like if you're at a point where you can do that, yeah, do it. Like, but don't be preaching that everyone needs to be doing what you're doing. That, that it's so, the sorry. only path. Big, big no, I tangent, utterly agree like, with you. Yeah. yeah. And look, in fairness, I'm not like, a fan, I, I, I think the fast food industry is really abhorrent. I'm not a fan of of the way you can go to basically any store in America. And when you check out, there's sugar and soda everywhere. Like, you know, you go to an office supply store mm -hmm. or a, a Best Buy and you're checking out and they're throwing oh, cheap Cali. This is not good, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. And I think most people could probably... Uh, see a vast improvement if they stopped eating processed food. However, I, I agree yeah. that I do. I do not think there's anything moral with food. It's it's a thing that, uh, you know, you can use and in a harmful way or you can use in a way where the dose is so small, it's not harmful. Yeah. And again, when I'm saying, you know, it, a pick a good process source, I'm not talking about picking the licorice at the counter, you know, right, like, right. you know, grab some grab some, uh, grab some spaghetti noodles, right. And some, yeah. you know, some, some pasta sauce and grab a, grab some ground beef. Right. Every one of those is processed. Right. Yeah. But you can make a good, healthy meal out of that. Right? Yeah, totally. And so it, it's, that's where I was going with that. But, you know, to me, you know, some of this is, 
It's interesting. I have an, I have an interesting perspective. So um, like, uh, I don't know if you were familiar with my backstory, but I, I literally grew up homeless in the wilderness. I didn't and, know that. I, I didn't yeah. remember that. So I, I have a best-selling book about, uh, about my experiences, but I, you know, I grew up in tree forts and tents and we're talking like, you know, having to, you know, fill up a jug of water and set it in the sun so you could wash off. And, uh, you know, over the course of that life, like had some, um, if we got time, I can dive into it. But yeah, it's a, please. It's a, okay. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a pretty wild story. So this is in like Northern California. There's actually a documentary on the area called murder mountain. We were about 50 I, yes. miles. So we're uh, 50 miles further, deeper into the Trinity wilderness. And so, yeah, we're, we're around murderers, drug runners. I, I had to deal with, you know, these people as a child, like uh, we had human trafficking uh, affect the family, uh, a serial killer um, saved my mom from him first time in 1985. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, some pretty, pretty uh, crazy traumatic uh, experiences that, I, that I, I dealt with. I mean, I was six years old. I was taught how to capture and handle live rattlesnakes, you know? Wow. We would go shopping at the dump. You know, this is uh, this is the environment that I grew up in. Now, I did get a lot of whole food. You know, we were poaching deer all the time. I knew every type of mushrooms we'd forage. Uh, this was, uh, uh, but it was uh, it was it was pretty crazy. And I got taken by the state for a while, and then my parents got us back, and we ended up in Oregon. Parents got out of the drug trade by that time. By the, that's why we lived in that area, by the way. <laughs> uh, but they didn't want to lose us again. But we pretty quickly fell back in kind of the same same environment, but more uh, mining and logging is a is a is a resource. And so it was it was it was interesting experience going through you know high school as well. Finally had like a stable kind of spot there. But I ended up during college when I left to go to school things got like really bad at, at home. So once I was removed, so I ended up taking custody of my three younger sisters and I raised all of them while I was working on my engineering degrees, my MBA and chasing my career. I raised them all through their teen years into when they were, when they were adults. So it's, uh, this has shaped a lot of my experiences on these topics that we're talking to around resilience and uh, layering things. And, 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 and it's, it's just, that's why I'm so passionate about this. And so we've been talking about the physical aspects of it, but these are the same things that play the role in both the mental and emotional uh, side of the, the, the realm, you know, body, mind, and soul in, in all these areas, I'm, I'm a big believer of being able to, to build your level of resilience. And, and that if you don't, if you don't have challenge, if you don't push yourself in all of those aspects, think about a three-legged stool that you're going to end up getting sideswiped or hurting yourself somewhere in life. And I've seen it happen. I mean, I've watched, I've watched people around me die, go to prison and succumb to drugs. And that's just the world that I, that I've lived in. And, and so, you know, just like accidents and shit, shit happens, but it's not like you also have to understand those aren't, those aren't the things that really define you. You're not defined by this environment of fucking the trauma and sh bad shit that I've experienced or seen in my life. I'm defined by how I respond to that and what my choices are. And that's the choices that we get to make every day as we're seeking to build that level 
you know, of resilience. So, so anyway, I, I I've got my book, the Eagle and the dragon it's uh, up there on the shelf behind me there. But, um, I, I talk through a lot of this and guide people on a, you know, a process of, uh, introspection and goal setting as it's aligned to that. Cause I've had an interesting scope of life. Cause I, I did that. Like, and I'm just you touching ran, on the run it, of that. No big deal. Then you ran an aerospace and then, company. And then, and then, yeah, I ended up advancing, you know, this kid that like grew up in a freaking, you know, in a tree fort in the wilderness that didn't have great socialization. And like, then I, I I'm next thing, you know, I'm like growing, I'm at this level of being as corporate executive doing, you know, hired to come in and turn around companies and change culture. And, and then, uh, uh, finally realized that uh, actually my calling is this this other side of things and walked away from that 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 career that I was paid very well for and sought after uh, to start my own company uh, or companies in 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 this realm in the physical uh, uh, fitness realm to help people get out of pain and build a better quality of life. So I spent probably ten years doing clinical continuing education around uh, kinesiology, neurology, um, movement patterns, and combine that with my uh, my engineering, uh, which I am on. So I'm actually on two different uh, college boards, uh, uh, one being the uh, engineering uh, school and another being uh, functional movement uh, practitioners. <laughs> so uh, pretty, pretty interesting scope of stuff there. I'm uh, definitely a nerd. So, but right. uh, uh, to... To, to help people empower them to, because the thing is like load resistance challenge can also freaking just rip us apart and shred us. Right. And the same thing, mine. So like you have to, and so if you're not prepared for those things and, and there's a process for developing that in those other aspects. And that's why thank you for letting me go on a tangent here. Cause like the physical aspect is just one component of it. And, and it's so much in those other areas. And, and so I, I do speak a lot and spend a lot of time talking about how to do that and how that plays a role in how you interact with your family, your friends, how you succeed in business or in the work environment, because, you know, I've had the opportunity to do that. And in a, in, in a vast scope, like with Kabuki Strength, you know, I work with every single major league baseball team out there. I work with 90% of the NFL, 90% of the NBA. You know, all the big, you know, action stars like The Rock, like the, it's the only product they'll use, all branches of the military. And we've done that in a matter of like, you know, been in business for seven years, but that was, it's not recent. We've been at that level for for quite some time. So it's, uh, I think that the lessons that I share and help walk through people through um, can help people in, in all the, you know, in, in many areas within their life. And so. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. 
So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. So, um, my book's an interesting read, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it, it's written for the reader to empower them with uh, the process for uh, that introspection and, and, and setting goals to help you then realize the values that, that, that are your own. And, yeah. uh, and so, um, so anyway, thank you for letting me kind of dive no, in that dude, little tangent I, there. I want to um, say something to that because I think it really is much more important than a lot of people m- might give credence to. And, and anecdotally for myself, the biggest struggles I've had have been with drugs and alcohol and food. And both of those things while inside it, because I think it can be very easy to say to, to say to somebody that it's like a matter of perspective, right? Like that's so fucking uselessly easy that like, how does that help? You're just not trying hard enough. There's there's bigger demons and reasons that there's reasons that you, that that you're there and you need to, you got to peel back those layers and understand um, the whys behind these things. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the route and the path that you're talking about to take somebody like myself, who, when I was 550 pounds, looked at a diet, like, it's just not possible, right? And now being 260 pounds, looking at my life now and looking at 550 pounds and going like, no, that is so much harder. That is so much um, more effort in every aspect of life. I don't understand exactly when that perspective shift happened, but it was not like at the end, it was in the middle when I went like, oh, I'm just, it's just a matter of how I'm looking at this. So like you talking about your experience and guiding people through that perspective shift and setting goals and, and I, I, and, and, and it's really really the the biggest thing everybody wants to. So, you know, we've spent this whole podcast talking about physical goals and, and this is the, this is the thing that is really important is yeah, before you set any goals, you really need to fundamentally understand what your values are. And that like that word gets so like misused or misunderstood all the time. But once you like for me here, I'll, I'll give some examples of what mine are. Right. Sense of security, obviously a big one, given my background, uh, having something to to compete at, to be challenged, kind of counter to security. But it's it's a big one theory, continual learning creative, uh, having, having a a creative outlet sense of family. And I use again, that word very specifically sense of family community, because you can have these things, but not have these things. Right. And so that starts giving you an idea of these things. And once you, once you dive down and really understand what those are, 
And it takes, it takes a while to do that. You know, you really got to peel back those layers. It's not a Sunday afternoon session, right? Just once you get to something like, and, and it could be a very, very simple thing. Like I want to lose, I want to lose, you know, you know, 200 pounds because I'm 550 pounds. I want to be an NFL player. I want to be a doctor. I want to have a, a, a fancy house and five sports cars to show off to everybody. Why do you want those things? Like, and then just keep getting a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper. And once you, once you get to these, you know, these value pieces that I just like gave some examples of these things that you can never actually have, it's more of a way of being and living, but you could also have instantaneously if you really know what they are sometimes. Right. But you know, in my book, I use the example of the fancy house and the car because uh, we got the the hustle porn for the entrepreneurs all the time. Like, go get right. it, whatever. Yeah. But why Just do you work. want those? Why do you want those things? Right? You know, it could be like because it's like, hey, I I want a you know sense of accomplishment for me, right? That could be one of those things, or maybe it's because I want a sense of security, and I know it. If I have those things, all I know right now is I want those things that I'm not working paycheck to paycheck and worrying about my family. Well, if I don't understand that and we just jump to creating goals and this is like when I have these things, I know I'm going to be successful and you get there and you're like, fuck, I hate life. It's like I'm ready to jump out a window. Why is this? I have the things I wanted. Oh, I over leveraged myself to get the house and fancy car, not realizing I actually really wanted security. And now I have the opposite of that. I've literally I've done that. I've done that yeah. exact thing with weight loss. I want to lose 200 pounds. I lose 200 pounds and I'm like, I'm first of all starving. I'm miserable and I'm not happy. It's yeah. it sucks. Yeah. Just like, you know, like I want to lose that. Much. Well, it looked great to fucking run around shredded with that six pack ab. That's my goal. Oh, that's not what I want, but I want to be living. I want to feel good. I want to be able to have the energy to play with my kids and go to the game and not like be like sweating and not, not be able to walk and, you know, participate in activity. These are different things, right? And if you set that other thing as your perspective, which is easy in our visual media, like all these things. So it can be valuable to look out there and see the things to help you start the process, but you need to dig deep. And so your goal setting is a way to actualize or express, express those values. So me, like people are always like, what's after the big squat or big deadlift? I'm like, you know, what's the next big lift? I'm like, there isn't one. Like, well, that's what you always do. Like, of course there has to be another one. I'm like, no, those were ways of me expressing one, my ability to push myself. Yes. To put myself in an environment where I'm learning to like, uh, yes, recognition, like that's a big one for me. So, you know, I got that out of it, but like, and they're like, what's your next big goal? Huh? Change the freaking face of, of fitness all the way through its integration with clinical care. But right. no, I mean, lifting, I'm like, that's a grand goal. Like, I, I don't know if you goal. know how big that is. That's a yeah. big fucking goal. And it does all those things. Right. Cause I could be a one, uh, I could be a want to want to be a surgeon and, you know, be like stone. Yeah, was it Tony Stark or whoever? Like, I, I got the wrong person. Crashes through a car and destroys their hands, and you can't do that anymore. Right. Well, why did you want to do that? And now you might have two hundred opportunities out there, and so people want to jump to this, the goals, and then how do you execute? And but you got to start here, and 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 then that's and anyway, this is the these are conversations I I, I really like having, but it's. Uh, then we can understand like, yeah, we need to 
dive in the depth, the technical depth of the the you know the the aspects to to realize that. But why are we doing? Why are you losing the weight? Why are you doing this podcast? Why you know why did I do the physical things? You know, I don't want to teach people how to squat a thousand pounds. That's not the goal, right? But my goal is to help people live a better quality of life, to be able to teach them how to get out of pain and be able to demonstrate that I have the ability to, you know, to do that stuff in a certain way, to be able to inspire people, to be able to accomplish more than that they ever thought possible. Right. All those are components of like why I did, why I did that. Right. As well as the learning process along the way, validate my methods. I walk the walk of what I do and teach. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's an important process because it's, you see it like it's, Sports athletes are a great example, right? You They end up wrapping their identity around like, I am this thing. And then when it gets taken away, either forcibly or just of age from retirement or whatever, many of them lose themselves. And mm-hmm. not everyone, no, but a lot of them have their identity so wrapped up into it that they fall into uh you know, drug and alcohol abuse, gain weight, depression, like all these sorts of things yet again, that, that, that we're talking about. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's all connected. And, uh, I mean, listen, dude, I think that's the most important piece. I really do, because I don't think that, um, we can have these uh, very specific goals that we think are really important. And if we don't do what you're talking about, it might be short lived or it might be a real big disappointment once we get there. What are your goals and expression of? Yeah. It's a big question to ask. So yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Chris, thank you so much. Yeah. It was a, it was a really great conversation. Enjoyed it. And now for the Q and a today's question goes to Ethan from someone named Ethan. Hi, Ethan. Um, He says, hey, guys, I want to thank you for all the amazing work you do. Your inspiration and motivation have helped me to lose 25 kilos. That's awesome. Now that I'm close. That's a lot of weight. Now that I'm close to my goal weight, I want to start building muscle. But the idea of eating in a surplus and actively trying to gain weight terrifies me. I'm worried I'll end up just getting fat again. Have you ever struggled with this sort of thing? And if so, how did you deal with it? Yes, I did. I did only one um, uh, period of time where I ate in a surplus. And even then, I was very, very careful. I, I... I ate the same protein. This My protein doesn't really change. I just increased my carbs and fats a little bit, but I ate very clean. It wasn't like I was allowing myself. You know, you see some guys on social media who are bulking and they're eating pizza and cheeseburgers and everything they can. I did not do that. I I got, you know, an extra cup of rice at meals and a tablespoon of olive oil. And that was literally my surplus. Um you know, I, for me, um, I'm more interested in hyper-focusing on muscle retention when I'm losing fat so that like every kind of progression, I can get leaner and have more muscle. And the amount of muscle you can build naturally per year is so small that I go like, what do I want out of building muscle? I have no real, I'm not, I'm not ever going to do that again, put myself into a surplus because it really didn't feel 
um, healthy to me to be gaining weight and I'm very big as it is. And so like I, I didn't, I didn't enjoy doing that. Um, so that's really what I do. I'm just hyper-focused on muscle retention. Uh, you know, like if I said, I want to gain so much muscle that it stretches out all my loose skin, it's just too much. It's not possible. I, I don't even think if I took every steroid on earth, I could get big enough to do that. And then mm -hmm. I would just, it would be obscene, you know, uh, and there's a, a host of health problems at that size, whether it's muscle or fat. Um, so yes, I have done that. It didn't feel good to me. It felt totally counterproductive and I, I won't do that again. Um, but I, I wish you luck. I would suggest that, um, as somebody who's just lost over 50 pounds, 25 kilos, um, to beware of bad eating habits. And like, if there's stuff that you know, that isn't, um, really good for you to be doing, I wouldn't do that just because you're trying to put on muscle. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Thank you, Ethan, for answering Ethan's question. <laughs> <laughs> and if anyone else has a question that they would like Ethan to answer on this podcast, you can always email it to us at AmericanGlutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee. You can follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely. <laughs>